Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Welcome into the Rotovis Fantasy Football Mailbag. We are here on the September 28th episode. And as always, we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. And today I have one of the greats, one of my closest friends in the industries, the great Joe Pizzapia is joining us here from Fantasy Pros. I've known Joe for quite some time, does an amazing job. He really never sleeps, folks, either, <laughs> but does an amazing job for Fantasy Pros betting pros as well, sports grid. He does everything. Follow him on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Sir, you are big time. The fact that you are coming here to the road of his mailbag is a true honor. Uh, I don't know about this big time stuff, and I sleep just fine. Uh, let me tell you, I, I make plenty of time to sleep. Once upon a time, I was a night owl, but I'm definitely in that thing where it's starting to change a little bit where I actually like being awake before everybody else now. And and you get up, you get work. All summer, I would up be up before everybody else get work done for the shows, do all these things. It was like this time of peace. So I don't know, I guess, I mean, I can still stay up late and go drinking and have some fun. We still do that, but I'm definitely uh, more of the early riser now. So yeah, so definitely going to bed. And then uh, thank you for the intro. It's very kind of you. I am uh, very lucky to be all the places I am and I'm sure everyone's sick of me already, but maybe one more show here is okay. Well, sir, you know, want to start off on a serious note, and then we'll get into all the other fun stuff. Of course, you've been dealing with everything with Mike Tagliere. Mike has been on this mailbag multiple times. He, he's just a special person, did an amazing job, really an icon in the fantasy football community. So I just wanted to start with a cheers to him and his entire family, of course, with his with his passing. And I know you guys at Fantasy Pros have been, have been really devastated by this, but just an amazing, amazing person, amazing fantasy analyst. He absolutely was. And I always told him, I was like, you know, I always thought he was the best there was, period. And that's not hyperbole. It was before I worked with him. It was when we were just friends and we kind of came up in the same time together. And one of the big draws for me going to Fantasy Pros was finally Mike and I being in the same place after so many years of doing so many shows together in so many different places. You know, he would be a guest of mine. I would be a guest of his. He would come on TV with me. Like we were just friends, you know. And that was one of the big draws, and it's such a, you know, professionally, obviously, it's a huge disappointment to not be able to see that through. But personally, it's so much worse, and it was so much more difficult to go through and to to have such a long, drawn-out thing. You can prepare for it all you want. Uh, it still hits you when it hits you and when it happens. And and it all, just as I said on the podcast, you know, we did the tribute show, it just kind of dwarfs, you know, anything that we're feeling as his friends or co-hosts. It's not even in the same realm what his family's been going through and his children's been going through and his wife. And, you know, it's, it's just so terrible. Somebody so young to be taken, you know, um, so unexpectedly like that. And, you know, there's a lot of those stories out there with COVID and, you know, just, you know, tell everybody, please do everything you possibly can to take care of yourself. And, and, you know, it's no joke. It's a real thing. And, 
you know, whether it's vaccinated, whether it's wear a mask, whatever it is, you know, take care of yourself because it's, it's a terrible thing when you, when you leave this earth too soon. And, um, and Mike, you know, from a professional standpoint too, like you said, Mike was just the best there was. And he was just an insatiable, crazy madman for research. And it's what made him so great. But then on top of it, it was the personality, right? He was, he was a, he had great humor. He was a great um, communicator. All of those great things that don't always match up with a great analyst. Like you can have a great analyst who's completely non-charismatic and you just don't want to listen to him. But Mike had all of those qualities and that's what made him so special. And it's been a little hard to be the public face of a tragedy for weeks on end and then trying to somehow take care of that for our fan base of fantasy pros and then also do content at the same time. It's been a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I hope I hope that I've done him justice and his uh, his work justice. And I hope we continue to, you know, make him proud here in the work we're trying to do. And uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't miss him. Yep. Uh, well said across the board. Mike was a gentleman. He loved coming on. He always mm -hmm. made time. Um, even when I just started this mailbag, you know, and then as you know, Joe, getting guests when you, when no one knows you is difficult. Mike, sure always, is. Mike DM back in two seconds. Absolutely. I would come on. So uh, our hearts and, and our, our thoughts are with you and everyone at Fantasy Pros. And all we can do is 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 praise him, of course, and, and, and laud all the incredible work and the pioneer work that he did. And to honor him by discussing about this game that we love so much and, and that he loves as well. So that's what we will do as we dedicate this show to Mike and, and everyone here at Fantasy Pros. And Joe is a, a perfect person to have on here to bring the passion and the love that we have for fantasy. And transitioning, Joe, you know, your rise has been incredible. You're one of the hardest working people I know. Uh, I met you at Flex Leagues. Uh, I've watched all the work that you do. You were working at the Meadowlands. You're going online. You're just doing so much. You're the perfect host. So just talk about that because I get questions a lot on the mailbag. Mike, how do I get in? How did you start? How did you go through it? So I always like to start by asking the guest how they got into it and their path because everyone's is unique. And I think yours is especially. Yeah, mine is very odd. Uh, and it's certainly not an overnight success by any stretch of the means. I mean, you know, at least a decade in the making to get to where I am now. Um, so I think that's something too. I, I came to this, I, you know, I was doing a job that I did not like. And my first daughter was born. And at that time, I was offered a position to leave the job I did not like in the real world and teach on the weekends. And I was teaching sword fighting and stage combat because I had come from the acting world. And then I kind of sold out for a while because I was burnt out and I just took a regular job, tried to be normal. Obviously, that's not my bag. Uh, <laughs> but the first, um, the first book that I wrote, and, and the reason I went to the, the fantasy book area first was because I was writing for some sites, uh, one that I love writing for, but no money in it, and then they closed up shop. And then the other one promised me money and then never delivered. And I said, what am I doing? Well, I'm just going to go write a book with all this relativization value stuff and this theories and things that I had success with. And that's how the Black Book was born on my train rides in to teach and while my first daughter napped and I was the stay at home dad working part time. And and then over years, just kind of growing that. And then a friend of mine from high school who I played in fantasy leagues with, who was also a broadcaster, my friend Dan Strafford, who I know you know as well. He was a co-host of a show on Sirius for a short time, ended up getting me on as a guest. I became a standing guest of that show. The host left that show. They offered me the show. And I said, I'll only do it if Dan will do it with me. <laughs> so, Bye. so they offered it to me and that's how I got started there. So my first radio job ever in the entire industry and in the world was not local. No, it was serious XM radio <laughs> doing the 10 to 1 AM shift on Saturday nights where no one's calling you. 
And there yep. were many nights where I had to do three hours solo and, and you learn and you learn and you work with great people and you, and you figure it out. And then gosh, I've worked for more places than most people have ever been hired, you know, like, or, or I've probably been fired from more places than people are, or let go. And it's never because your work's not good. It's just the nature of this business. It's very hard. And that's why I always stuck with black book and, and my own brand of things. And, you know, I always took every opportunity that was given to me, tried to make the most of it, always tried to leave on a good note. And like sports grid was a place that I left serious for. They had business changes. They moved people out and then asked me to come back years later. And, and it's, it's just funny. It's a very, um, like every business, it's about the network and the impact you make on, on people that you work with and they respect your work ethic, respect you and, and what you bring to the table. And, and then honestly, like my first real full-time gig was working for FanDuel in 2015. And that ended up, I was like, oh, I finally sold out only to see the DFS bubble burst in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was out of luck and it was a very tough situation where I had just recently been, you know, separated on my way to being divorced, trying to provide for the children on my own wow. and still be home taking care of them all the time, pretty much. And then how do you craft this career around that? And you just kind of figure it out. And then the fantasy pros situation came up uh, actually this past year. So that was when that was offered to me in, in the very early 2021 after being on the show for many years and I guess making a good impression. And it was nice for someone to come to you for a change. And I'm very respectful of the platform because it's a huge platform. You know, we're top 20 in podcasts and sports. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. And I think it was the right time for me to to have that. I had, I had learned enough, done enough and, and failed enough and then failed better. And then eventually you get to a place where, you know, these opportunities present themselves sometimes at the right time. So I'm very grateful for it. And I, I love the people I work with there and it's been, it's been wonderful. And I love doing the TV and sports grid and stuff. And I love being able to, you know, meet great people like you and the friendships you, you end up having in this industry. It's so weird. Like sometimes you can really be close with people and sometimes never be in a room with them, <laughs> you know, like Scott yeah, Bogman yeah. and Welsh who I've done black book with for years the three of us have never been in a room together, and yet we know everything about our families, each other's families. Yep. You know, you you text each other all day. You know, it's so bizarre how that can be the case, and it's one of the interesting and quirky things about this business. But it's one of the better things too. Totally agree. And the black book is legendary. I've been an honor to be a part of it now for a couple of years, and it just you you just churn out the content, man. And that 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 message of resiliency is the one that people have to understand. Oh, I've no surrender. To, you can surrender seen. so many times in this business because yep. nobody wants to pay. It's a lot like acting. And I was successful there. I just got burnt out. But yep. everybody can find somebody to do it cheaply. And they'd rather sometimes have somebody do it cheaply than do it as good as it could be. Yep. Because there's so many people who want to get into it. And that's yep. exactly the same thing. The fantasy football or fantasy industry is very similar to the acting world or to the music world and all that yep. kind of stuff. Joe, that's amazing. I mean, that's that's the message to everyone. And apply this expertise and this resiliency that you have come up with to the Thursday night football game. Because of course, now we are hearing, sir, Devontae Adams has COVID, will not be available. So what what are we looking here with the Cardinals and the Packers? I kind of, Joe, like the Packers in this game prior to the Adams news. Now I'm not so sure. I'm waiting for the regression for the Cardinals to happen. It's just not coming. Yeah, it's it's not coming and everything keeps lining up for them well from a, a schedule standpoint. I think they caught the Rams at the right time, yes. right? You know, I think that whole Bucks 
there, there's a lot of emotion that goes into playing, you know, Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like going to measure the standard. And then there's, there's inevitable letdowns or, or look aheads that happen in the NFL where teams get caught napping a little bit sometimes, or there's a little, you know, just let down after a very big game. And I feel like Arizona's benefited a great deal from the schedule, from the teams that have been on it and more specifically when they're playing them. So I, I was kind of along with you where I said, well, okay, if anyone's going to hand them, maybe this loss, it could potentially be, a situation where you have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers come in there and, and just go ahead and play well. But the Packers had some issues in that game last week against Washington. Also now we're not having Devonte Adams. This is what happens when you get into a situation where you become so hyper-focused on it's Adams. It's Jones. This is our offense is what we do. And now you're in a position where you have to ask Lazard to step up. You have to ask, you know, other guys from the bench now to step up Robert Tunyon, who's done almost next to, Nothing all year except for last week all of a sudden decided to show up and have a decent game. Now all of a sudden you have to rely on all those guys. I think personally what they're probably going to do from a game plan standpoint, I think you're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones in the passing game. I think you're going to see a lot of A.J. Dillon on that field. I think it's going to be a different look offense with the pieces that they have left. And it's a really tough situation because they don't have as much time to game plan for it now. So now you have less time to plan for it, less time to, to execute it in practice and then take it to the field. Oh, wait, and you're taking it on the road too. I don't know. I mean, I think what's going on here with the Cardinals, too, and I love the acquisition of Zach Ertz. I think they are a much more complete team. I think Kyler Murray's playing the quarterback position much better uh, this year. I think it's his his progressions are, are when you watch him, he's very confident where he's throwing the football, not just what receiver, but also location wise this year. It's really good. It's really sharp. And he's got more options that he feels comfortable with and confident in. And it's showing because he's not just focused on DeAndre Hopkins like he was last year, where it's all just going to Hopkins all the time for better or for worse. And Ertz is now another piece where, you know, man, you know, I mean, how do you stop this offense? You got two running backs who are different stylistically. You've got uh, three very good wide receivers. You've got a tight end. You've got Kyler Murray, who you've got a spy at all times because he can get out and run. They are a matchup nightmare. And it's not a surprise that they've played so well. It's not a surprise they're undefeated. And to me, it's, it's not a surprise either because defensively, I think they're also improved year over year. Yep. And just using our road of his game splits app, something to think about here in the last couple of years since 2019, there have been 33 games where Aaron Rodgers has played with Devontae Adams and six he has not. In those games, he has thrown when Devontae Adams played for 246 yards, two touchdowns, and 22.5 PPR fantasy points. You know what's interesting, Joe? In the six games that Aaron Rodgers has played without Devontae Adams, he has thrown for 310 yards, 2.8 passing touchdowns. Mm. So I would not be concerned necessarily about Rodgers' production, but my question is going to be, will the Packers be able to keep it competitive, or is Rodgers going to be throwing from behind more because they're trailing, which absolutely could be the case here with an undefeated Cardinals team, no? It's it's a look. This has four outcome game written all over it, which I hate to invest in. You know me, like we've always yes. talked about those in the past yes. when you and I did shows together. You know, it was actually this past week. It was Philadelphia and Las Vegas. I wanted nothing to do with that game, not from a fantasy standpoint, not from uh, mm-hmm. not from a wagering standpoint, because you could see one team winning by a lot, the other team winning by a lot. You could see it being a yep. low scoring affair, a high scoring affair, and I hate that. Um, and it's funny because I think I remember a game where they played the Giants a few years ago where Adams was out and Rodgers lit it up for like 300. And and you know what? Like yep. that very well could be the case and he very well might have to do it. These short week games are always tough to judge, especially when a team goes on the road. Uh, 
I would not be surprised if this was still a very competitive game, but from a wagering standpoint, there's so many variables that personally, I don't like it from a fantasy standpoint. It's hard to invest in because outside of Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, you really don't know who the other guys are. So you might pick up Alan Lazard off the waiver wire and it could be somebody totally different that he ends up keying in on. It could be a huge Robert Tunyon game. It could be a huge Aaron Jones game where they just try to, if I was them, I would be trying to run the football, control the clock and make this kind pull them down to your level a little bit. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to allow that to happen because he is so good at his position. He's so good at what he does. But from a game plan standpoint, I want to keep Kyler Murray off the field. I want to keep that Arizona offense off the field. So that's what I would want to do. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers' ego is going to allow that to happen. And from those stats you're showing me, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that case. (laughs) <laughs> yep. And as we mentioned, folks, we have a great suite of apps here at Rotoviz. Rotoviz Radio listeners, 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Use the discount code RVRADIO2021 at checkout and go to rotoviz.com backslash podcast for more information. Joe, waiver wire week eight. We're halfway through the season, give or take, depending on how you want to look at it. The waiver wire is thinning out, but there's still some value there. Who are players that you're targeting this, this week that could possibly help us now and in the fantasy playoffs? Well, the first thing, and and I said on yesterday's pros podcast was go pay attention right now to the waiver wire, especially after last week, because there's so many teams that had to make some really tough decisions and cut players. They didn't want to just to field a roster last week. So there might be some names floating out there that might surprise you. So first pay attention to that. Second, uh, I think Kenneth Gainwell seems like uh, the best theoretical ad I've been you know, I've been saying he should be added after week one. I thought he should be on all the rosters. And I basically every week after that, he's been on my list of guys to add, even in the games where he wasn't great, just because, and it seems like Sanders injury isn't going to, you know, ruin his season. But at the same time, there's short-term value with Gainwell in the next two weeks because he's got Detroit. He's got the Chargers coming up. Those are good matchups. And if Sanders re-injures an ankle or something else happens, then even further, you've got the Jets, the Giants, or some other good schedules coming up there. Uh, for the Eagles, but Gainwell from a PPR standpoint too, if he catches four balls for 40 yards, it's eight points right there. It's before he even has one single rush. So Joe, any interest in Boston Scott? Cause Miles Sanders <sighs> looked like he's going to be back in a few weeks or is that too thin? I think Boston Scott's more like in the deeper league. You don't, you know, you try to play for a touchdown, but Gainwell to me in the half and the full point PPR is the way to go. Um, Boston Scott will get his carries. Boston Scott will be there. Um, but this is not a great waiver wire week overall. Um, even though Bateman is on a buy, I would still be very aggressive on Rashad Bateman. I like what I've seen in the first game. He, I, he did way more than I thought he was going to do. He caught four of the six balls there. Um, I know he didn't, didn't equate for a ton of points necessarily, but just the fact that he's on the field and got six targets in his first game of the year was really good. Um, he saw six targets again, only caught three of them this time, but for 80 yards. So they're looking his way. That's a good thing. Um, LaVisca Chenault is still available in 40% of leagues somehow. Michael Gallup also is about 50% rostered. That's another guy that people had to drop because they had injury issues. Uh, but pretty much it's like Bateman, Chenault, Gainwell, Gallup. Those are the guys you're looking at. If you want to try to stream this week, the Cincinnati Bengals defense, uh, the Cincinnati tight end, CJ Uzoma, because it's against the Jets, and I know he's either tight end one or tight end 25, which is very frustrating. I get that. But if you're desperate right now for tight end, this might be a, hey, worst things could happen. It's a good matchup against the Jets. I can't believe Joe Flacco is playing for the Jets this week. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) We used to have favorite type of drink and salt or no salt on the margarita. That has been replaced with favorite type of juice in the morning, cranberry 
How'd that get? Uh, well, Sean Siegel answered pineapple. It's thrown us into a tizzy. And of course, Sean is is the, the leader here. Cranberry, orange, grapefruit, or pineapple. Where are you going, Joe, in the morning? To be honest, I like the orange pineapple blend. Ah. And I like the simply orange huh. one. I think that's the best of all of them. And here's another funny thing, too. We talked about how old age changes you a little bit. I used to hate pulp. No pulp in my orange juice. Now, if there's Same. a little pulp from time to time, I don't mind it so much. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But what what happened? No cocktails? The cocktails got banned from the show? Is no, you, Eric Moody came on and like devastated us with the physics behind salt on the rim of a margarita. And I just took a haymaker and I haven't been able to recover. That is the... <laughs> oh my God. I got next time I have Eric on, I got to ask him more about that. I want to I want to learn. Yes. I just want to learn. But I'm an old fashioned Ah, uh, Yes, so of course I know that. Yes, I, I, of course I'm I know that. I'm an old fashioned and, 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 uh, and a cigar and I'm a happy fella. There you Joe, go. what... Simple man. Joe, what is wrong with the Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl hangover. Super Bowl, hey, listen. Here here you go. I'm going I'm going to I'm going to find this because I had it yesterday. It was a tweet that I had from uh last year and this is just a true thing and nobody seems to want to, you know, nobody seems to want to pay attention about this. And what's funny to me is that we all thought that Patrick Mahomes is you know, there's just there's nothing you can you could stop Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's he's the man. He you know he's unflappable, right? But you know what? When teams lose the Super Bowl in the last 15 years or so, if you go back and look, there's a real downtrend afterwards. And I'll just throw in a couple out here for you, real quick. 2016, Cam Newton's MVP, 15 and one, right? 39 tu- 35 touchdowns. The next year, 19 touchdowns. 2017, Matt Ryan, after they lost the Super Bowl and blew the 25 point lead. 20 touchdowns, his lowest total since his rookie season that year. 2019, Jared Goff, 32 touchdowns to 22 touchdowns. 2020, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't even need to say anything, right? The only two players that bucked this trend were Tom Brady, who and you can't, you know, can't hang anything on Tom Brady because Tom Brady is a, he is the unicorn, he's the goat, he is completely different than everybody else. And Russell Wilson. That's it. Those are the only two quarterbacks that lost the Super Bowl and then the next year had good seasons. The Chiefs are an incomplete team. The Chiefs are a team that I think their best version was always, and if you go back and look historically, you had Kareem Hunter running the football and you had the balance of the offense and Patrick Mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns. They've gotten so infatuated, I think, with the talent, and and it is. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does things. Did you see that play where he was going to throw the ball out of bounds and <laughs> switch hands? And he left switched hand left, back? yes. <laughs> I watched that and I said, no human being mentally or physically should be able to do that the way he does. He is such a freak of nature, but I think they have they have almost fallen in love to a fault with his talent and forgotten that you have to you have to surround him with balance. You have to surround him with uh, a defense. You have to surround him with better pieces. And this is also what happens when you start to pay the quarterback. Now in the NFL, when you have these enormous contracts, it's very different. The team that you can physically put around Patrick Mahomes now is not the same team you could have surrounded him with two or three years ago once you had that. So the talent level is a little bit lower because of the cap space that you have to now dictate to that quarterback. And it's why if you look, the teams that have had great success in the last five years, it's all the young quarterbacks that have popped right away. It's the Bills and Josh Allen, it's Lamar, it's Patrick Mahomes and all of this before their big payday. Once that payday comes and the salary cap crunch comes, you see these rosters are not quite as deep. They don't quite have the same talent on it. They can't quite surround them. And it's not that Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey aren't great. It's just they lack balance. They lack a little intensity. And I think they've just gotten infatuated with the talent of Mahomes to a fault 
where he can't just get them out of every situation. And I think it's starting to take a mental toll on him. I'm not worried about him at all long term. I'm probably not even worried about him short term. But the Chiefs are just the latest in a very long line of teams that are suffering from that Super Bowl hangover loss. The way I would look at it is this. You need a quarterback in this league. And as long as you have a quarterback, you Mm -hmm. have a chance. It just came out on social media today that there's a rumor of Mike Tomlin going to USC. Now, that may or may not be true, Joe, (laughs) but Pittsburgh has never addressed their quarterback position, and they're looking now for a quarterback next year. They're going to be struggling. So if you have that quarterback like Andy Reid does, you can find a way to build around it. But if you don't have that quarterback, you're going to be in trouble for a while. Well, and here's the thing. Also, this coming year, this is not a good Correct. quarterback class. Yep. I mean, I've been watching a lot of college football. I think you would probably agree with me. When you're watching the college games, I mean, if you want to make the case for Corral, okay. He's, he seems like a nice prospect. And the worst thing that's going to happen, and you know it and I know it, it's not that kind of quarterback class this year. But the scouts are, and everybody's going to create one or two guys who are going to be like the next Jordan Love or the next whatever draft stock guy. Well, he's a projectable guy. And it's going to fail, and I'm worried about it. This past year was quarterback gold. Lawrence, uh, I look, I still think Lance is going to be very good. I'm, I, you know, I was never a big Wilson guy, but Mac Jones looks pretty good solid. throwing the Definitely. football. It's very confident. Of course, yeah. Solid co- I think you can win a Super Bowl totally with Mac good. Jones, period. End of story. Just give him a little bit more to work with, for God's sakes. It's the same problem they had with Brady. But this class coming in is going to be real tough. It's going to be tough for the Giants who have a tough conversation coming up at quarterback and all those draft picks. It's going to be tough for, um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up. Like all these teams that are in that weird transition quarterback, this is not the year to fill it. And it's going to be obvious, I think, in the draft. Joe, are we going to hit the lottery first or Jacoby Myers catch a touchdown? Uh, Lottery first. I'm going to take down the DK million. Because I've now had four listeners in five years take wow. down that million dollar contest. And here I am still sitting here working. <laughs> what am I what am I doing wrong? I don't understand. And and I've had them on shows because they're so like, oh, and I listen to the show every week and I come up. It is hilarious to me. And I can't can't crack it. But yeah, I'm Jacoby Myers and Myers is a nice player. And if you watch the Patriots closely this year, and you know I'm a Pats guy, but I'm very realistic mm-hmm. Pats guy. Definitely. I have always 100%. been. Because I was a Pats guy before Belichick got there. I go back to the Parcells, Chris Slade, Willie McGinnis, you know, give me Ben Coates days, right? And the thing that I struggle with with the Patriots, it's that same problem right now. They're playing better football. The defense is playing great. They don't have any playmakers on offense. They just don't. Efficiency is great. And maybe Mac Jones can be hyper-efficient to that point. But at the same time, where is their Tyree Kill? Where is their Devontae Adams? Where is their Jamar Chase? Just give them one weapon because if you look when you gave Tom Brady one weapon, when you gave Tom Brady Randy Moss, they didn't lose a game. Literally, literally, they did not lose a game. You got to give them a little bit more to work with. Maybe they will this year. We'll see. But I got to tell you, man, I mean, right now, I mean, Justin Fields looks lost. Maybe you can resurrect him. I don't know. But Matt Nagy certainly is not the guy to do it. He'll be out of a job. And you're right. Tomlin right now, if he left for USC – I can understand getting out now because there's going to be a transition in Pittsburgh after this year. I I think we can all agree it's coming soon. I'm not going to insult your intelligence after this weekend by (laughs) asking you who's the top dynasty wide receiver. I think Mr. Chase is making quite a statement there tethered to Mr. Burrow. But I do want to talk about running backs in dynasty. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, I think is, is the top choice. However, after that, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, where's McCaffrey? What do we do with Saquon? So many options here. Who is the second 
dynasty running back that you think, and I, I've had a debate on this between Najee Harris and Saquon Barkley, but I think Swift is now entering the equation. McCaffrey's still 25. Talk to me, Mr. Pizzapia. Where are we going here in dynasty? Well, first of all, I agree with your Jonathan Taylor take, and he's got a very good schedule coming up too in redraft the next couple of weeks. I would also say that I had this conversation on the Sunday uh, television show about after Derrick Henry, who's number two this year at running back? Because it can't be McCaffrey. It, it's yeah, Dalvin Cook is, is now Dalvin Cook yes. again. And, and <laughs> all these, Cookie, yes. <laughs> you know, that's what he does. Like he teases you. And, and I've loved, look, you have no idea. His rookie year, I had so many shares, mm-hmm. Mike. I had so many shares. And I was like, oh, this is going to win me leagues. And it didn't. And then I went back for year two. And it crushed me in year two. And then I was by year three, I was like, nope, can't do it again. And then he had that huge season. And this year I bought back in and now I'm back. And I just like, it's me. I'm a jinx for Dalvin Cook. But Taylor, I think, has a real shot to be the RB2 asset. If I'm choosing of Najee and Saquon, I'm going to choose Najee. So am I. Yep. I think that's, you know, I want the younger back who doesn't have the injury history. That's it. It's, It's not a hard conversation to have. It's not a matter of who's the best projectable talent anymore. Saquon's been in the league for three years. He's been hurt for what? Two of them? Well, now three, well, four years now, right? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, right? Man, time flies. But I would also put Derrick Henry in that conversation. And nobody wants to put Derrick Henry in the dynasty conversation. And this is another topic. And I'm going to ask you this question right here. Do we need to be beat over the head by Derrick Henry individually before we start putting some respect on this guy's name? Because the only thing that we don't like about Derrick Henry every year is the workload. But the the thing that every year we could take to the bank with Derrick Henry is that he's going to be on the field playing football. When does that start becoming more valuable to us, even in a two-year window in the next two years in Dynasty? Yep. And the thing with Derrick Henry was we obviously, all the people who, who are into fantasy, who do it professionally and, and have write about it, have podcasts, are in PPR leagues, Joe. That, that standard is is like the the one that we ignore. But he's and still everyone, the number one RB in PPR league. But he is still. But he is so. <laughs> do- and that's the thing. And even this year, I mean, receiving yards he is 138. That's RB 14 in terms of receiving yards. Targets he has 18. That's RB 23. Receptions he has 16. That's RB 60. I mean, he's not terrible. He's being used more in the receiving game. But that was the skew. The skew was unsustainable touchdown efficiency, folks. It is sustainable. The guy is. A monster. And that's it. And nobody's really? built like him. Nobody plays like him. He's also a guy that didn't. And, I, and this is something I always talked about at Henry. And, and you know, a couple years ago, this was my guy. And people didn't want to buy into that. Remember, was it three years ago where he had that little breakout run towards the end of the season? Yes. And people were yes. like, well, I don't know if I want to buy into Derrick Henry. And my point was, what do we have to lose? Because in college, you know, he was part of a bigger offense. He didn't have every single carry. And then the first year or two in the league, he didn't have every single carry. Remember, yeah. they were trying to make Deion Lewis happen? Yeah. Deion Lewis over Derrick Henry, they were trying to make happen in, in Tennessee. Rex Burkhead truther right here. Thank you very Oh, there much. you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but it's absolutely crazy to me how we get to a point with Derrick Henry, and then after he does it, nobody wants to buy back in, right, the second year. And here I am again, and I and I the year he led their league in rushing, I said Derrick Henry's going to lead the league in rushing. It's on the podcast. It's it's there for prosperity. And then the funny part was nobody wanted to buy in again. And there I was again in the bold prediction show saying the same exact thing. And people say, well, that's easy. He's the favorite. It's not. Go look. In the last twenty two years, only two guys have ever had back to back rushing titles. It's then maybe see if you can name them. 
Can you name the two guys besides Derrick Henry off the top of your head? In the last 22 years, who are the only two guys to go back-to-back? One is in the Hall of Fame, and one is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Did LT do it? Nope. It was not LT. Back-to-back. It was Adrian Peterson and Edrin James. Edrin James. The only two guys to lead the league in rushing two years in a row. It doesn't happen as often as you think it does. And it's something that we need to take notice of. And just for S's and G's and PPR leagues right now, Derrick Henry has 50 more points than the number two running back. 50. So everyone, yards are yards, touchdowns are touchdowns. I'm so sick of the PPR people, the PPR police as I call them. Just trying to ruin nice things. Derrick Henry is about as sure of a thing you could possibly have. And I think it's time we start respecting him a little bit. And you know what? Everyone's going to come to the table next year. They're going to look at it and say, well, another big workload. But I was like, you know what? That man's just different. He is more Earl Campbell than he is uh, anybody else. <laughs> Joe, if I go to your fantasy pros, NFL fantasy football leaders here, weeks one to seven under quarterback, what I'm looking at is the following. Tom Brady, 25.7 fantasy points per game. Jalen Hurts, 25 fantasy points per game. Has there ever been a quarterback who is number two overall in fantasy that could very well be benched next week for Gardner Minshew? I know. I, I li- This is another topic we talked about yesterday, too. I brought it up. I was like, hey, everybody, y'all better figure this out. Like, You need to have a second quarterback if you're Jalen Hurts right. because they don't care. They They have one win in the last six games, right? Am yes. I correct? Right. And what is and he has like sixty eight percent of his fantasy points in the fourth quarter. Something and crazy like that. And it's not all his fault because they've asked him to do too much. They haven't run the football, especially in games where they should be running the football. It just makes no sense to me how their game plans have been trashed this year. And it's hilarious to me because everybody thought, and this again is a little lazy on I think the collective fantasy analyst community. It's a little lazy. I think Doug Peterson's gone. Miles Sanders is free. Well, that hasn't been the case, right? Everyone was so excited two weeks ago when he finally had 50 yards rushing. Oh my God, 50 yards rushing. Oh, let's all just, let's do a dance about the 50 yards rushing he got. But Jalen Hurts, I don't remember anybody up this high, no, that could lose their job off the top of my head. And and that is a, it's a weird, Winston maybe, a couple years ago when he threw the 30 picks, we're oh, all worried. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. That's the only guy that I can think of that was in that conversation. But if you have... Jalen Hurts right now, you better figure it out. You better be coming up with some other guy who's a quality backup. Trevor Lawrence probably got dropped in a lot of leagues last week in single quarterback leagues. I would be picking him up because I think as the season goes on, he's showing that he's starting to get more comfortable. That's a guy that I would roll with. Um, I would roll with Mac Jones in some of these games. I think he's getting better too. Um, it is it is a tricky situation, but you're right. There is a lot of risk with Jalen Hurts right now. My favorite question of the show, and we're we're almost done using it because it's halfway through, but think back to a flag plant guy you had in the in the preseason. And maybe the person is underperformed or lately has not been great. Give the reason why you would be wrong. A listener asked this question saying, you know, always hear about these fantasy analysts that come on and they talk about how great their takes are, and this is why. Oh, yeah. I want to hear this guy I may have been wrong about, and if he doesn't pick it up, this is the reason why. Uh, yeah, I look, and I'm always one of these guys too. Like, you know, you, not everything is victory laps and sunshine and rainbows. Like there's yeah. things that you're just wrong about. Oh, Joe, know? I'll be honest. I uh, thought Taysom Hill was going to be a better choice than Jameis Winston. Obviously totally wrong. Winston has been much better than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, in terms of things that I was wrong about this year, I would definitely say the first thing I was, con- I was more concerned than most people were about Ezekiel Elliott going into the year. Yeah, I was also. That's the fair. age, the, the, the tread on the tires, 
and he's been excellent. You know, that first game, I started to wonder, oh, man, maybe I'm right <laughs> you know, after after Tampa. But then again, you have to take that with a grain of salt because it's Tampa. So running the football for anybody against Tampa has been hard. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one of them, and he's been terrific. So I'll take an L there. There are probably a lot of opportunities where I could have taken Zeke, and I didn't, um, and and offered, you know, instead for other people. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, I was very down on. It's the number change, hit- Joe. He changed the number. It looks great. You know what? He also put on a little weight year over year. And all the things that I was down on last year, Marquise Brown doesn't fight for the football. Marquise Brown quits on routes. Marquise Brown isn't physical at the line of scrimmage. I give him a lot of credit. If you watch him play this year, if they try to press him, he is way more physical, right? He is a little bigger year over year too. He did take better care of himself. He's trying. I mean, his frame's only going to take so much, but I give him a ton of credit. And he also dropped a lot of balls. If you look at that streak last year where Marquise Brown caught all those touchdowns, and this is stuff that if you're not watching and you're just looking at stats, you're missing. That run where he caught the six touchdowns in a row or whatever it was, if you watch almost every single one of them was a touchdown where a defensive back fell down, made a mistake. They were all mistakes where Brown catches a ball and then no one can catch him because he's that fast. So you can't count on that. It just was fluky that it happened six weeks in a row. Excellent. And I want to say five of the six were clearly blown coverage or I literally saw a defensive back slip fall down. Marquise Brown's free catches the football and runs. But he's done a very good job this year, and I want to give him a ton of credit that uh, I do believe that he deserves all that. So uh, I'll tell you what, though, I've also been a Kyle Pitts guy, and that was not yep. looking good the first couple of weeks. But now the worm is turned, Mike. So it I has. feel really good about all yeah. these pitch shares that I've got. <laughs> I could be wrong about that one also. I I just – listen, I thought he was going to be a top 10 tight end. That that wasn't the issue. I just thought he would hover around tight end eight or nine. That is not the case anymore. He hasn't shot fan- at one. He hasn't yeah, shot he, at he has. He's been fantastic, Joe. The yardage is there. Um, last week was big because the receivers came back. Calvin Ridley was back. Gage was back. He still balled out. Absolutely. Pitts is making, and that's what he should do. If you're going to take Kyle Pitts early right. in round one, you, you need to use him like this. And they're finally doing it. Absolutely. He, he has a legitimate shot to go at Kelsey. Yeah. He's and a problem. Because of the way the chiefs are playing. Yes. Like that, that is, that is because the Atlanta defense sucks. They're going to have yep. to throw the football a lot. He is not like any other tight end. I don't yes. know what he is, but he is special. And they're finally figuring that out. And I think that's very exciting. DFS plays. Let's go around the horn here. I'm looking for sort of a value pick, if you will. Someone that you think is sort of mid or towards the bottom price that could pop up. Of course, this is dropping on Thursday. So let's start a quarterback here. DFS, is there somebody you have your eye on early in the week right now? Uh, Yeah, actually. um, You know, the first thing I always do, and and I always like to do this because um, far too often people get hung up, I think, on – you know, going in on names and stuff. I like to go in on games. Uh, there's games where, you know, I think that's the the professional DFS players will tell you that it's the games that really where you want to hyper-focus and then get pieces of. And if you get those pieces in the right combination, that's the difference in tournaments. More so than just like, it's this guy and, and I do my lock of the week on the DFS pod of pros and all that stuff. But it is really hard to get away this week from Joe Burrow. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, 7,800 over on FanDuel, 71 on DK. Yep. It's not an extraordinary price. Like he's not even cracking 8K. And people Excellent will say, point. well, they're going to yes. be up by a lot. You're Joe Mixon. I don't think Joe Burrow cares. I think Joe Burrow just wanted, you know, I think they're in a place where they're feeling it. They just had a huge victory. They want to keep going. They want to keep getting better. And the way you do that is to keep throwing the football. 
Um, you know, getting Josh Allen always is a good idea against Miami. Historically, mm-hmm. he's coming off a buy extra time at home against Miami. Mm-hmm. I know he's expensive. He's probably too expensive on FanDuel 8,100 over on, on DK is kind of tough as well. Um, but yeah, those are the, the two specifically that are very good, but you, you can't compare the Burrow price to anybody else. And I'd be fading Tom Brady a little bit. New Orleans historically has given him a lot of trouble. Like yeah. they get up to play Tom Brady. I would be careful of that. If you're looking at the tournaments too, I think Tannehill is back in play now. I think yes. when you have yes. AJ Brown yes. healthy, when yeah. you have Julio Jones healthy, when you have everybody healthy and the defense playing just a little better, they're getting some confidence with these wins. Indianapolis is not an easy road team. You know, they're going on the road to play them, but I think Tannehill's another guy, 7,566 that you can keep an eye on there. What about running back here? Uh, of course, uncertain in Philadelphia with Detroit. Uh, maybe Zach Moss against Miami. Who's our running back value? <sighs> He's a running back value. Um, and again, you know, I, I recognize that the guys I spoke about were all pretty high priced quarterbacks with the exception of Tannehill. But when you're dealing with these bye weeks and the, some of the way the schedules fall, you have to be very careful. Um, I would be going right to Damian Harris again. Yes. Uh, okay. 6,900 over on FanDuel, uh, 6,100 over on DK against the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers giving up a ton of, they, they don't care. That's their style of defense. They're like, contain contain and just you know move along um i think henderson's a very good value it's really tough right now to find the cheap running backs um and i think that it's between the injuries between the bye weeks between everything going on right now there's just not a lot of value at the running back position that you feel good about like last week there was value but did any of those guys pan out not really like not even mckissick and like none of those guys really panned out so um, if you're going to get Chuba Hubbard one more game against Atlanta, okay. Like that's another guy you could probably cheap out on a little bit, but I would be sticking with Najee Harris. I think that's a very simple one. Maybe you can go with Gainwell if Sanders gets ruled out for that game on DK specifically at 5k. That's an interesting play as well. Uh, but for the most part, I think I'd be sticking with, um, Harris for sure. Uh, I don't feel good about the health of a lot of other guys out there right now, but that's a good return on investment value or, you know, he's got good touchdown equity. Everything kind of lines up for him. Wide receiver. They have finally put respect on Mr. Cup, which I'm very happy to see. They sure have. 9,000 this week. He was the lock of last week. And let me tell you, boy, I knew it. I was like, well, this will be the end of Cooper Cup. We're going to see double digits pretty soon for him. Who's who's a guy you got here at wide receiver for us? Uh, um, Look, you got to go with that Burrow Chase duo again. I mean, it is just... It's money in the bank right now. It's just been so good. And the other thing too, I would I would keep in mind, and this is a season long, but also a DFS thing. Coming off the buy, I think everybody recognizes, you know, Keenan Allen is what top five in targets this year or seven in targets, but he's like wide receiver 36. That's going to write itself eventually. Those two numbers are going to come closer together because you can't get that kind of target volume and not start converting more of them into bigger plays. So, um, if I'm the Patriots, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler are the guys that have my attention. So it wouldn't shock me if an interesting oppo play this week was Keenan Allen, because once again, it's very good in terms of that volume. Volume is king in DFS and everything else. Volume is always king. Um, but I think that's a, that's one I would go after. Uh, I would probably go back down to the Mike Evans well this week, uh, depending on what AB situation is. Recency uh, bias. We haven't seen it for a couple weeks. The recency sure. bias too. AJ Brown's price didn't spike the way I thought it would after last week. So he's still 7,600. That's still pretty good. 
Pittman on the other side of that game is really fascinating too. I would definitely go with Pittman. He's been excellent. 6,600 over on FanDuel, 53 on DK. That's a tremendous value for the the share that Pittman gets. And I'm always very hypersensitive too. I want guys who are with good quarterbacks who are playing well. You know, you could always make an investment in Deontay Johnson. There's a lot of good value, I think, on the PPR side this week in particular. But I think the volume guys are the ones you want to stick with because the top end guys are really like Cooper Cup is really tough to <laughs> you were getting to that point where and I'm not saying it's wrong, <laughs> but it is getting to a place where it is very difficult, you know, to put a wide receiver at 9,200. It means Devontae Adams. If you're going to do it, do it against Houston. I got no problem with it. Sure. But once again, are we in these one of these scenarios where the fourth quarter they're not playing? Does it happen? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And last one, tight end. Look look now, Mr. Pitts, top of the DK DFS board here at 6.3, 6,300. Yeah. That escalated tight- quickly, didn't it? That escalated quickly. <laughs> yes, it certainly did. Give me a value. Do we go back to CJ Ozoma, Joe? That's what you I do. like to know. You do in tournaments. You do. He's just 5,700. Look, he's a free square on DK at 37. He is a free square. Like, if he doesn't pan out, okay. Like, you'll you'll take the L. But all he's got to do is catch a touchdown. He doesn't have to have big yardage. He doesn't have to be tight end one to return that value. All he has to do literally is catch a touchdown. So I think you can go back uh, to that specific well and make it work outside of that. Once again, it's tough. I wish we had Dawson Knox back and healthy, but the other guy has been really good. Um, but his price has gone up significantly is Mike Kosicki too. Uh, but it hasn't gotten out of control on DK. He's 5k 63 on FanDuel. It's, it's starting to catch up on the DK side, 5k. That's where I would go. And especially it's more valuable there because it's a full point PPR. So even if he doesn't score the touchdown, but he just, you know, does another 10 catch game, <laughs> like some crazy stuff he's been doing. I think you could go uh, with him as well. I think that's a good investment. Yes. Mr. Gusecki's fine for last week's overall QB one to a tag of Aloha. Let's go a couple. Oh, quick and Ricky qu- Seals Jones on DK is still 3,800. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, We got it. We got to give it up for our boy, Ricky Seals Jones. He's running a ton of routes, Joe. He is. Joe, what's your favorite video game growing up? Oh, excellent question. That is an excellent one. Well, I could tell you my favorite video game in college for sure. That right off the top, there was definitely two. Uh, one was we had uh, NHL 2000 and everybody would come over and we would just play hockey all day. Like literally from like, we would not go to class. <laughs> we would skip class to then, well, there's only one more class today. Let's skip that and just go play hockey and order food and drink beer and play hockey. And that one, you can make your own guys. So we would make all these different characters and these guys and we play hockey. And it was hilarious. Uh, then the other thing, um, Metal Gear Solid, that was, ah, I played wow. that game. It was yes. one of the few games that I played, beat, played again. And every time you beat it, you got like that stealth suit or you got the limitless ammunition. Like you always got something fun to play with a second time, which I thought was cool. But that was, that was one for me. And I don't know if that counts like as a kid, but as a kid, you know, I was like baseball stars was very like, that was one again. I like them whole make your own guys kind of stuff. I always liked that. Like those were, I think that was definitely one of them. RC pro-am was another one. I always loved on the old school Nintendo. I was like, that's a quality one underrated. And you can never find it anywhere. My funny college stories. One of my best friends and I were walking onto the bus in the morning to go to the lecture, the big economics lecture. And we stepped on the bus together. I said, you want to go play Madden? He goes, yeah. So we just skipped class. We, we literally. Well, Madden get- is like the easy. Like we all play Madden all the time. But the funny thing with the NHL game was, I don't know if you, you played this specific one, mm-hmm. 
but you could taunt each other. Like when you scored a goal, <laughs> there were buttons where there was taunt yes, and some yes. of them were like in French almost or like yeah. French Canadian. <laughs> it is like, like one of the guys was like, voila, voila. Like when he was scoring, it was like hilariously good. Like, so, and of course you got the fights, you got all the things you could do. Like, I don't know. Like it, it was, it was one of those college games where, you know, and I do remember fondly too, where we had to outlaw certain things in Madden when you figured out, like when you figured out that linebacker fire, could block any field goal yes. attempt. And all of a sudden yes. everything became fourth downs because nobody, so like every fourth down was went for, there were no extra points. Everything's two yep. point conversions. <laughs> Joe, I'm on a mission to get uh fantasy football fear factor or fantasy football survivor, something like that. So let's say you are in fear factor. What's the one thing that you would say, you know, I don't think I can do this. Oh yeah. The bugs. I'm not eating okay. bugs. Got it. No, Got it. I'm not doing that. Now survivor is funny because like my kids and I are big Survivor fans. Same. My daughters and I yeah. watch Survivor every week. Yeah. We watch Survivor. It's a big deal. And I feel like I could do very well on that game. I think I have the yes. right personality. Totally I agree. I know how to work people, but also build relationships with people. I'm a pretty decent athlete still, even yep. at my age. I can 100%. still do a lot of the physical stuff, right? Yep. But Mike, it's the f- no food and no eating thing yes. or I just don't know how I would hold up. I really don't. I don't know what would become of me. I could even deal with the outside and all the elements. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff I could deal with. It's the not eating at all. I don't know. That that to me, that's tough. My kids want me to go on so badly. They really do. And, and I think I just, you'd be great too. You would absolutely be great on I, it. I, I think I could do the sleep, but the same thing. Like I I don't know. I just eating the bugs. I mean, you know, me diving in water with a spear trying to get fish. See, that I'm okay with too. I'm okay with I'll even do the spear fishing. That's fine. But like, that's what I got to rely on is my spear fishing technique or eat this crab. Or we got, I don't know, man. Well, the difference is you could do the spear fishing and be successful. I could attempt the spear fishing and would not be successful. That's the problem. <laughs> but do I want to eat what I caught? That's the question. Yeah, uh, good point. Well, I don't even know. Like, I just, I don't know, man. It's, I guess, I guess that means you and I should go on Big Brother because it's the same thing. Just yes. in, indoors. Indoors. <laughs> exactly. I never watch it, but I've been told that's basically yes. the same thing. It is. It's <laughs> indoors. After reality television. Joe, rest of season lightning round. I'm going to give you two players, PPR leagues. Who do you want rest of season? Marquise Brown, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to be a late first round pick next year. Period. Absolutely. End of story. <laughs> like, and Marquise Brown is unsustainable right now. Like he can't. Yes. He's already at what five hundred yards and six touchdowns on the year, yes, or more yes. than that now. I think that was going into the week. Like it's it's crazy. And Chase is everything is is a really a Calvin Johnson like projection here with his. How with his- annoyed are all those people that bought into the bad preseason on Chase? Yeah, like. Come on, guys. I saw Joe Bryant from Football Guys put out. Imagine how good it would be if we actually put white lines on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he wasn't good in preseason, but he hadn't played football in a year. Correct. Right. right. I mean, God, can we give it, everybody just hyperventilates too much, too much in the preseason. Here, here's an interesting one. Top receiver on a team that, that isn't as great in terms of passing proficiency or the second option or possibly worse on a team it is, Michael Pittman or Robert Woods? Uh, Pittman. And it's this is another easy one for me because the volume's going his way. T.Y. Hilton can't get back on the field. And Wentz is starting to play better. Look, this the elements on Sunday night were very difficult. But even so, 150 yards passing in those elements is pretty impressive. Before that, he had two touchdowns in two consecutive games. He's starting to get acclimated. And my concern with Wentz, I liked Wentz going into the year as a secondary QB in Superflex. I thought he was a really good value. He knew the system with Reich. Everything was a good situation. But then again... 
the foot injury, the COVID stuff, like he had started behind and I was like, oh, it's going to take a month for him to get right. And it did. And now we're past that and now it's right. And now it's all working. So Pittman for me. Mike Gusecki or Zach Ertz? <laughs> this one's very close. Um, I <laughs> Gusecki's another guy too. I will take the L on Gusecki. Like I was, mm-hmm. I got no part of this guy. I've got zero shares. He's been tremendous. And, and maybe it's also because nobody else has been on the field. I think I'm going to just go with the volume of Gasicki. I think Ertz is going to be good though. Like I think Ertz could sneak in there and finish as a tight end one for sure. Because it's an offense and the way it runs. But the fact that he even caught a ball for a touchdown in that first game with them is astounding. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to switch teams and learn a playbook and, and get acclimated. But I, I still go Gasicki. Who would you take? I'm curious in that group. Uh, I love Zach Ertz, but I, it's really close because I I just think because of the target volume, I would go with Gasicki. But I think Ertz is going to have a big second half of the Me year. Too. It's just hard because A.J. Green is still involved. Rondell Moore every once in a while, and of course he's second to Hopkins. Gasicki could, in many situations, be at worst the second and possibly the first, depending on how they script Waddle. So that that's my argument, but it is close. And the, the last one here I'm going to change because you talked about Tannehill, so I feel I have to up the other option <laughs> over Carson Wentz. So why don't we go Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill? Oh, this one's close. Because you um, like Pitts, so I changed it on you, I Joe. do, <laughs> I do. Uh, I would probably take both of them still over Wentz for the record. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, but Tannehill, I think Tannehill is going to bounce back and become that guy again where he's a, he's a QB1. I just think Tannehill, once again, I mean – People keep ragging on about losing to the Jets. He had nobody else. He had literally no one to throw the football to in that game. Like, it's a very tough situation to go on the road with none of your wide receivers and, and trying to win a football game. It's just, it's, people don't understand. It's more, it's timing. It's, it's, it's comfortability. It's knowing the guy's going to be in this certain spot. The lot goes into it, you know? Um, I think Tannehill over Ryan, but I do think it's close because I think Matt Ryan's starting to realize what he has in Kyle Pitts. And Cordell Patterson, my goodness, what a crazy revelation he's been. 30-year-old breakout, Joe. Happens every year. (laughs) Happens every year. I mean, I don't know how you don't sell high on it, but then again, every week (laughs) he's producing fantasy points. So I just got to hold. And I think Ridley will continue to be fine. Like everyone's freaking out about Ridley too. I wouldn't freak out about it. He's a buy. Yeah, he's an absolute buy. And this defense sucks. So Matt Ryan's still going to be right on that fringe. If like gun to my head, I would say Tannehill finishes like his QB ten or eleven, and and Matt Ryan probably finishes his twelve or thirteen. Like it's it's literally like one spot or two spots. And last one here, my friend. Then we will get you out of here. It flew by, of course. You're fantastic. <laughs> Give me the bold Joey P rest of season prediction. Something that's going to happen. Maybe a true a, a league winner in the second half. Give me the bold rest of season Joe Pizzapia prediction. Kyle Pitts finishes his tight end one. Ah, there it, folks, there it is. Joe Pizzapia killing it, of course. Fantasy pros, author of the Great Black Book series, which you have to get each and every year. Betting pros, sports grid. He's all over the place. Just a great guy. Great fantasy insight as well and makes you laugh along the way. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. My friend will be talking soon, of course. It is an honor to have you here. It's an honor to be had here, and I'm very uh, grateful to spend uh, quality time with my buddy Mike Randall and talk football. It's always a good time, my friend. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. 
contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.